Shalacia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. I'm going to be sitting down with our unique guests, entrepreneurs, and passionate people to help tell their stories about problems they're solving and their unique solutions. Hello, everyone. Today, we're starting our new episode with Matt Johnston, and he's going to talk about collective arts, in which he's a co-founder. So Matt, tell me what prepared you to become an entrepreneur? In all honesty, I worked at children's camps when I was younger, and um, as I grew through the ranks and became a, a director of the summer camps, I spent a lot of time thinking about what do kids really want out of their uh, their experience. And so I had an amazing boss who had let me uh, uh, tweak the programming to meet the needs of the kids. And they were really my first, uh, you know, my first customers, I would say. And, and I had this boss who really he never judged. He always just inquired, asked me questions of why do I think that? And he really helped me uh, grow as a person and, and develop um, uh, uh, you know, as you know, my business acumen, and I guess the rest is history. I've taken that those lessons. And how long ago was that? Oh yeah, that's back like high school <laughs> okay. and university time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a shy kid, and uh, my sister had worked at the camps, and I, I was dragged out there when I was thirteen to be a junior counselor, and and I was shyer, you know, as I say, shyer than all the kids, but it forced me out of my shell, and mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and, and then I worked there all the way through until after university. And what do you think in that experience? You know, you talked about your boss a lot, you know, him giving you that freedom to sort of run your own show, but still answer really critical questions as to why you're doing it, what are those thoughts, what are those thought processes? What do you think out of that itself really gave you that initiative to take a lot of those steps that you did? Uh, I guess I have. I'm not a fan of the status quo. I always feel that there's uh, something better, um, and you can't change it all at once. But that incremental look, you know, relooking at how things are done and how do we keep tweaking to make the experience better, and who better to do that with than kids because they're pretty honest. Yeah. You know, this game stinks. Okay, <laughs> well we're not doing that, and and then you just keep developing that and and and. Um, and in his style, like I, do, I, I don't do well with the word no. I need to know no, wh- no and why. Mm-hmm. And I need to have a conversation. And, um, and, and you know, this gentleman, Tom, um, I should reach out to him and tell him all this. Um, but he, uh, he, he never said no to me. He always just asked questions. And I would go, oh, yeah, that's not the best idea. I'm going to take it back. And, uh, and that's, I've tried to foster that approach myself to, to um, allow everyone I work with to be their own entrepreneur mm-hmm. and, and to solve their own problems. And I'm just here to help be a sounding board and support them along the way. And facilitate that. I think that's fantastic because a lot of the entrepreneurs we've had on this podcast so far all have sort of had, you know, that a little bit of that background where they had someone that challenged them. They had someone to be a sounding board. And ultimately, you know, the big fun word we're using a lot these days is a mentor. And, you know, in essence, he was a mentor for you. He helped develop your thought process, helped you ask more questions and get to better results so the kids don't think your game stinks, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
And with that experience coming out of, you know, going from high school through university, working in this capacity with children, um, what was your next step after camp life? Uh, I guess I got a grown-up job. I, I moved uh, into marketing. I was in marketing at Tim Hortons, then at Moosehead Brewery. So I, I, I moved you know, from daytime coffee to night, nighttime beverage. Um, and, um, you know, I, I worked with some fantastic people. I also worked with some people who, who did like to judge first. And so, um, um, you know, I, I, I expanded my horizons and was able to really, I think, for me, craft, uh, craft uh, I guess, the, the environment that I, I would like to, to foster if I was ever to start my own company. Mm-hmm. And what made you start your own company? Uh, um, I, I guess I have. I've, uh, I wanted to do something that's very purposeful. Mm-hmm. I had uh, created some brands in in my past life, and they they. Uh, I guess they didn't necessarily have the soul that I'd like. I wanted to have something that I, I if I got up every day, I, I wasn't just um, selling a product. I was hopefully you know, doing my little part to make the world a slightly better place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's when uh, when we started Collective Arts. We ha- wanted to have a purpose and a mission behind it of how we can, you know, add some value into the world. And and uh, I'm also was um, I'm pretty opinionated. And um, and so, um, you know, wanted to be able to, you know, try my hand at creating my own thing. So Collective Arts is your first business? Correct. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's pretty impressive because we know most people, you know, start a few different businesses, fail a few times before they get something really successful and that's growing and that they're doing long term. So that's really exciting and impressive. And before we sort of dive into more of what Collective Arts is and what was that niche that you identified? What was that problem? And I know you talked about, you know, not having enough soul in in the product that you were curating. What was that missing aspect in the market that you saw that really needed to be filled for consumers? Yeah, craft beer um, is just an amazing industry. It's a very collaborative industry, um, and and it's and it's global and it's in every large city and small town so it, it's helped rejuvenate communities and and um, it's by nature very soulful as an industry where it's it's about you know helping helping your neighbors and and doing doing the right thing um, but one of the challenges for craft beer is as more craft breweries opened up um, they uh, become stuck where their their connected their emotional connection is, is their local point of origin, mm-hmm. and so for us we wanted to uh, have a brand that had a purpose, and so for us it's 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 seen the that artists have a hard time having their their art be seen, or musicians have a hard time breaking through in all the clutter to have their music heard, and so if we could create a platform for them then uh, we are helping those artists who really put creativity out into the world um, challenge the status quo and be seen and heard. And so I, I think from a purpose, it's putting more, you know, bringing creativity in the, into the everyday. And, but from a business side, it addresses that issue of uh, your emotional connection is only your point of origin and it flips that upside down and our emotional connection is attached to creativity. So it allows us to 
not just be relevant in Hamilton, but be relevant in any community um, and with any person that aspires to creativity or is inspired by creativity. That's really interesting that you're able to bring all of these things together. Are you a musician? Are you in the art space? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm a wannabe. I, I've tried my hand at uh, you know, music, uh, at art. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely um, um, am infatuated by all things creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say my, my creativity has championed someone else's creativity, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Which is ultimately what you're doing. And we all can't be artists or painters or musicians in any way, but we all enjoy it. It's that outlet um, that helps us express ourselves in other ways. And other people do it much more beautifully than some of us (laughs) would. (laughs) But that's that's really cool that you were able to take this um, take this aspect of art and not just from a creative and visual standpoint, but from also a music standpoint and bring it together and create a community that can feel expressions from anywhere in the world because art is universal and it is left up for interpretation and it gives you that freedom to explore as well beyond your boundaries where I know you talked about breweries being often local now this art can help transcend you to different parts of the world if you have artists from different aspects yeah definitely and and each we do a global call for art so artists submit from all around the world Uh, we do that three times a year and then it's curated by different um, creative thought leaders that volunteer their time to actually curate it so it's not my opinion of what is amazing art at the time Um, and so it's really interesting to see how they interpret where where you know where amazing art is or disruptive art is today and and um, and bring that to life and I was reading on your website about you know having your beer be as creative as the art that's being displayed on it tell me more about that yeah again craft beer is about creativity and it it engages with very experiential consumers and so by nature craft beer is uh, has creativity baked in it and so what we want to be is be as creative on the inside as we are on the outside and and and, and vice versa and um, and always challenge that status quo uh, with with the products we make and the artists we feature mm-hmm. and bring in this bringing collective arts together um, from a brewery standpoint, so that being your actual product, and also, you know, giving artists a platform to display their art. When you first came up with this concept, what were people saying about it? What was <laughs> what was the response to it? Because I I would I I know a lot of businesses sponsor, you know, concerts and all of these things, but never bringing them together in this way. What was that response? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, I started Collective Arts with Bob Russell. Who, uh, we we uh, had the idea two years before we, we, we got started. And uh, neither of us, I don't think, could have come up with the idea alone. We, we brought it together of, you know, what, what, what are we passionate about? What do we think is disruptive? Uh, and then when we shared it with... Uh, those people around us, I think someone described it as my our, my art student project. They said, "When your art student project fails, let me know, and I, you know, I have maybe a job for you." Like, Great, thanks, thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, because it was different. Uh, it was, you know, it was breaking the traditional norms of 
of branding and marketing instead of putting your logo out front put the art out front and champion the artist and uh, you still need a logo and, and and for people to know what the product is but how to make that secondary and that was um, it, it didn't feel right for a lot of people but when you put it on shelf it became quite disruptive that your traditional logos and then you had this uh, random collection of art and it's and it, and it brought you in and then uh, often people would try our products for the art they would come back for the product and the art and and then if they looked a layer deeper and found that we paid paid the artists and we championed the artists and we created content for them then they had more affinity and re recognized this is this is beyond just putting pretty pictures on on a can mm -hmm. and that's really the community that you're building around craft beer and artists and that community has obviously grown you know over the years in what year did you actually start collective arts uh we poured our first our first pint of beer in september september 2013. okay so we've been around a while now yeah, yeah. almost a decade almost a decade almost a decade that's huge feels like a lifetime uh, often <laughs> but yeah almost a decade Wow. And with that, like, was there a space in art and Hamilton being a very artistic town? Is that something that drew you to Hamilton as well um, in sort of making collective arts home here? Yeah, definitely. I, I was born in Hamilton. I had never lived in Hamilton. My uh, my mother had grown up here, um, but I had bounced around, um, but I always had affinity for the city. I love the, the soul of, of the city. And, uh, and and also I, I always root for an underdog that Hamilton sometimes, you know, with the, the big sister of Toronto hanging over Hamilton, uh, definitely can have that feeling at times. But for us, when we, when we look to put a, a brewery, which is really manufacturing uh, into a city and you look at Hamilton, uh, is both a manufacturing city as well as a uh, you know, creative city and always has and was having a further renaissance. So uh, it just felt right for us. And, and the site of our brewery is, is the border between industrial and, and the north end in, in this, in this uh, downtown renaissance. And uh, so it just felt like we were, uh, it, was, it was perfectly designed for us. Mm -hmm. So the time was right when you started this idea two years before you actually took it off um, the ground. And now it's, it's in market, the right space and the right opportunity comes around. What would you say to someone that does have an idea that isn't quite ready to take it off the ground. When do you know the opportunity is right for you to strike? Oh, that is a tough, a good and tough question. Um, I, I guess for me, it was when uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put the idea down. So for me, it was more that I'm ready to put my, my, all, all my sort of blood, sweat and tears into something. I've had ideas of my whole life and it just finally felt like this is the right one to dig into and be passionate about because as long as you believe the light at the end of the tunnel is bright enough and as long as you're determined enough to keep running towards it, you'll be successful. Um, and, um, and, you know, so that's, you know, I have lots of other ideas uh, that, that I'd love to someday get off the ground. But this one for me is, um, you know, I get up every day and I'm excited about what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, th I think if you're feeling that, then, then it's the right idea. 
And you think that is something that helped you sort of fend off the non-believers in the beginning of of the business? Yeah, I think you can't you can't live in your own little echo chamber of you know I think I have a big idea and no one else agrees with me. Um, you know, uh, you, know you, you need to be able to take in the different different perspectives. But once you've heard all those different perspectives, if you still are passionate about it and truly believe in it, um, you know, then start crawling, then walking, then running at, at the idea for sure. And what would you say about someone that challenges your business? When do you take that advice and when do you <laughs> when do you let it go? Uh, I'm, I, I annoy a lot of people because I I'm, I'm a crave information. So and crave different points of view. And so I take a long time to make decisions, but I, I like to have all those different points of view. So I think that's important. But at the end of the day, you, you have to think with your, your head, your heart, and your gut, and you need to make a, a instinctual decision once you put all those together. And and that's how I've, I've tried to balance everything, all of our decisions. Mm-hmm. And now that Collective Arts, you've gone through the idea phase you've gone through um you know putting it on paper you've had a few people say "Mm, don't know if this is gonna work but you landed on something incredible and extraordinary and has you know cemented its way into a lot of our weekends and our cultural activities that we sort of partake in what what was that solution and what what meaning does that bring to you know, the craft brewery industry, like how do you continue to sort of stand out and not have someone sort of infiltrate your space? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I've read a press release by, by another brewery who said, we love what Collective Arts is all about and how they champion art. And so we're going to put art on all of our packaging, um, which I pre, you know, it's flattering, but at the same point, it's, it's, it's challenging. Uh, I think for us, as long as we're truly purposeful, and the fact that we, you know, we it's a constantly curated, ever-changing brand that is, uh, you know, really fostered by the creative community. And so as long as we're purposeful to that, there's really no one else. It's really hard to do what we do. And we, we every three months, you, you have over 2,000 submissions and you curate that to a series of 70 artists that you then pay and champion. You, we really need it to be a purpose-built brand. So people can try and emulate us, but as long as we're living our purpose, it'd be really hard to, uh, you know, to copy us. Mm-hmm. Because you've sort of, you've got the first mover advantage from like a business standpoint, but you've also got that trust from the community to know that you're just not a surface level putting artists out here, paying them on the back end, but you're actually investing in these artists to give them a spotlight beyond just their art on your product. And how do you take a community like that and foster it to keep to keep growing and to continue to be innovative within that space and not just with the artist aspect of it, but your actual product? Uh, very good, very good question. Um, yeah, I, I think in both cases, uh, you know, we've surrounded ourselves with. Um, you know, entrepreneurial spirit and and sort of a willingness uh, or lack of uh, desire to sit still, and and that's very much the, the creative community as well as you know our 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 brewmaster and and all the product development team. It's like we constantly are trying to 
to to push where where we are and um, so it's that when you have creativity inherent in what you're about both the products you make and those who you champion it's just it becomes a natural momentum mm-hmm. that that's almost you you can't you can't stop because that's rolling and i think that's so important with bringing on the right people with sort of the right passions that are you know sort of self-motivated in that way how do you go about finding those great people? Because we, we we hear a lot about having great talent, top talent, all of that. But how do you do that for your business? Oh, I th- uh, it's a good question. Um, a lot of our our um, our true leaders are uh, really started early in their career with us. And again, we're 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 only nine years old, but they they've been with us for six years, and but they have affinity for what we're about and they have a desire to solve problems and, and push. And <clears throat> so, you know, we're, we're fairly, I would say raw talent company and, and that works for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy because it's hard to find that balance of, of experience and, and drive and, and passion. Um, often, uh, you know, the, often we I find some people have a lot of experience necessarily don't want to roll up their sleeves and get dirty. And when you're a startup, you have to get dirty. And so it's trying to find that right balance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get back. We'll, we'll get back to sort of, because I like to go from the problem to the solution. Yeah. And now it's just like collective arts is, who are you right now? What is your trajectory? Um, how do you plan to dominate the world yeah. with collective arts? Yeah, we we um, we have this obnoxious view that Canada doesn't just need to be an importer of brands; that it can also be an exporter of brands, and it's not it's not easy. I, I can assure you. Uh, you know, we we sell in the U.S. and Europe and in Asia, and uh, it takes a lot a lot of effort. But we're we're determined. Uh, that, that we can be successful and you know when I stop to think of how many Canadian brands consumer brands have been successful globally it's you don't get much past one hand so we're trying to be one of those and um, and help hopefully help to pave the way for more Canadian brands to be really successful I don't know if that answered your question no that answers my question perfectly perfectly well and I, I think like with any company, you sort of, you have this beginning, you have this big long-term vision. Was your long-term vision to, you know, sort of, you know, go global eventually? Yes. Yeah, our, our, again, our belief, again, obnoxious belief when it's easy, when it's a, when it's a piece of paper and you go here, here's, you can draw out what, where you want to go. But yes, our belief was always that, um, that we wanted to create a, a global company, a Canadian compo- company on a global scale. And that if we were truly authentic and purposeful about what we were about, uh, that that could be disruptive and allow us to expand into new geographies as well as into like-minded categories. We've expanded into spirits and uh, we have a sister company that's in, in cannabis beverages mm-hmm. um, that our, our belief was that we could be successful in that. And uh, and so now it's just going about proving that, which, you know, you is becomes a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've learned one of the most important things we've learned is we learned how to lose and then dust yourself off and and uh, and and 
and take those learnings and those bumps and bruises and, and push ourselves forward and and, um, and and be more more precise about our actions going forward. So that's, I think that's a great word, precise. So when you decide to go into European and Asian markets, what did that process of, you know, determining who would be that precise country to go into first and then make your way around the continent? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, it, it, it's a matter of knowing what your decision criteria are of which markets are, are, are right for the brand which markets have the right importers or distributors. So trying to get those right dynamics together. Sometimes you'll have a great distributor, and but if they're in Idaho, no offense to Idaho, we're probably not the right fit there. Mm-hmm. But you can have a great market like New York City, but if you don't have the right importer or, or distributor there to support you, it, it, you're not going to be successful either. So it's just trying to find uh, those synergies. And then... Um, you know what I what I think we try to do is a bit of uh, Jim Collins is an author and I'm a big fan of his, and he talks about sort of bullets to cannonballs, and so trying to do things in a relatively low risk way where you can take your learnings and then you can either scale that, or you know walk away from that or refine that and it's easier to to do that in a smaller way than than take a big bet. Uh, and that's proven fairly well for us, which, which basically means when you enter a market, make sure you're not losing your shirt. Don't overinvest. And, uh, and, and we've made a couple of mistakes where we've thrown a, you know, shot a cannonball before, we, before a bullet and, and it's bit us. And so we're trying to make sure we're, we're pretty precise on that front. I think that's pretty impressive to continue taking that mindset of you know still being a startup even when you're almost a decade into your business don't rub it in (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's success i i think that's success i think what does the stat say about um i think somewhere around 80 percent of businesses fail within the first five years so to get close to a decade um i think is pretty huge but when i think people think about startups and businesses that have you know sort of passed those milestones that are tracked you're here at almost 10 years and you still have that mindset that's not all right money's going to fix our problems we're big enough that we can just splash the market you still have that mindset to go in let's test small let's you know prove this hypothesis let's make sure it's working for us and we're not losing money in the process because if you're not losing small you have the opportunity to to grow big as well like and be profitable in that way um it's it's interesting to me that you sort of still kept that mindset and do you think that caters to the success of your business yeah i think so i yeah don't get me wrong i think we would have had a more profitable business had we just stuck in ontario Mm -hmm. and um because it's easier to be more precise and more thoughtful and overinvest when you're focused on one market. Um, so we've definitely pick a, a, you know, when you take degree of difficulty, we said we want to be global and we want to be ever changing and featuring artists. We've picked a really difficult path in front of us, but we also think that's our secret sauce to to success. So, um, yeah, I, I think, and it is hard culture. You have the original team you start a company with and you add more people. And so it, your culture is naturally going to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
luckily for us, we have this determination to succeed and to uh, and to try new things is inherent in our company, and that's inherent in our DNA, and it could be how the brand's built. But but that that is part of our, our secret sauce, and and um, so even if, as we've added new people, they totally embrace that idea of that creativity, you know, from within. Mm-hmm. And as you go into these new markets, obviously you're doing your market assessment, like you said, making sure you have the infrastructure there to support this unique brand in that community. How does your collective arts craft beer compare with the craft beer in those communities that you're entering? How how do you try to help strike that balance with saying, okay, we know you still have sort of your homegrown brand, but how do you now carve out your own new niche within their markets? Well, I, th- I think you use the word niche. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it is a, it's a category where no one brand should, should dominate. Mm-hmm. So naturally, an experiential consumer wants to try different things. So that plays to our advantage when we're in other markets. And um, that uh, we can make great products with interesting packaging and it gives them a reason to, to try us and as I say they can learn more about our story um, so but making great beer is really it's just it's it's the low bar you have mm-hmm. to make great beer and then you also have to have beautiful packaging and then you also have to be purposeful um, keep in mind when we started there was less than 4,000 breweries in the US there's now about 10,000 breweries in the US wow. so it's just got more than twice as hard and um, so it's you, you really can't sit still. If you sit still, um, yeah, you, you won't be around much longer. And that's challenging to keep up with, but I think, like you said, you've curated the right team to help foster the business, and you've actually structured the business from the beginning to continually change and evolve, to have that opportunity to tap into the right market at the right time and be relevant through those artists because art evolves over time right just like you know i'll compare it to fashion fashion is almost like a cycle and we go through it and i think art goes through sort of the same cycles the things that we like we're attracted to and i think with couple in that with beer itself i think you sort of created that you know that recipe for success that's saying to your consumers hey we are going to change be ready for it but it's going to be new and exciting and relevant for you and how do you find the the right experiential sort of customers to do that like where where are they and how do you get them to buy in how did you get them to buy into you yeah it's a good a good question um you know we're entering mar- we're, we're not we're outside of our cannabis beverages where we are one of the le- the leaders of a new category this is an existing category so it is set up that you can enter it. Um, you know what we needed to do is there's not many imported craft brands that are successful in the U.S. So for us, it's more con- convincing the, the the customers, the retailers, and the distributors that there's an opportunity. The consumers, you know, they they will go to the product, they'll engage with it, and if they like it, they'll go back and mm-hmm. and. So it's more it's more convincing others that it's not just about solely local that there is room for for a brand that stands for something different than just being local to mm-hmm. be relevant, and and we've been able to prove that out. 
That's awesome. And I know you have the Tap House in Toronto. Are you looking to sort of pop up other locations elsewhere? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. It yeah. definitely is. All, we'd, we'd love to do more of that and, and create, bring the brand to life. You know, mm-hmm. we, we opened that during the pandemic, which adds its own layer of confusion and complexity. Um, but yes, we, we think that when you can, uh, I'll call it a lighthouse, when you can create a lighthouse for the brand and people can can experience it, it just creates that further affinity, which is again why craft beer has been so successful locally is that you can walk in and, and engage directly with the team. And so we, we'd love to do more of that. That just mm-hmm. takes takes time and money. And it, <laughs> but, but it brings the experience to life. And I think that's one thing people are really looking for experiences and authentic ones as well. And that exploratory aspect of you know what the brand stands for and like catering to the right customer as well which I think is really exciting to to have Tap House um, in Toronto and things like that and I haven't been to it yet um, but hopefully we'll get there soon what what is the next step for for collective arts uh, well, we have lots of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I need to go into them all today. Don't tell us your secret yeah. sauce now. <laughs> um, uh, but, but for us, it's, you know, really it's just coming out of this pandemic and really, you know, fine-tuned. And, and you know, we talk about this year is very much about foundational growth. There's been a lot of disruption in our world. Mm-hmm. And as I say, some has been great. We've opened up e-commerce and that's been a huge piece of business for us. And we love it because we can interact directly with our customer there's, there's, or our consumer. There's no one in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so we can offer unique products to them and we can have a conversation with them. So that's been some really positive that have come out of it. But the, you know, the disruption for all the restaurants and that whole, you know, whole industry has been, been quite tragic and, and challenging a, a, mm-hmm. as a brewer as well. So this year is about foundational growth as well as looking ahead. And so... As I talked about, it's firing some of those bullets. We, we plan to fire some of those bullets, uh, you know, late this year, next year, and then and then grow. Uh, one of the things we've had to learn is, is as a company is a bit of patience that it doesn't all need to happen today. Mm-hmm. But you can plan for it, and you can and look a little further down the down, down the line. So we, when we first started, we were great at looking at the bright shiny light at the end of the tunnel. And we're look at really good at looking two feet in front of us, and we're, yeah. what we're trying to do is is pave that that path in the middle, and uh, that makes it a little bit easier to to, to turn the ship and, and point in the right direction. I really like that analogy. It's sort of like building that yellow brick road, so you yes. make sure there are no <laughs> potholes that you fall into. The, um, the more people, the more the yeah. more opinions, mm-hmm. and the more the longer it takes to create that alignment on those opinions. And um, so my, my job is really to, to, to do that, is to, to engage with all the key thought leaders in the company and outside and really help to you know, paint the yellow brick road and, uh, and make sure we're all aligned and heading down there together. That's amazing. And one final question for you here is, what would you say to someone coming into the industry um, or coming into any industry where the barriers of entry are relatively low and how can they differentiate themselves? Because you've been able to do that very successfully. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're entering a category that's you know, um, fairly saturated, yes, you need to have a reason for being. 
and it's not just I like this industry it's you know why should other people like what we're offering and whether whether that's tech or 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 any other industry um, you know why why do you have a reason to be able to disrupt what what exists out there whether that's better customer service or meeting a certain need and and that's how we've tried to focus focus our time and effort mm-hmm and with collective arts, are there any new things that we should be looking for? What's what's coming up new that we should be excited for? It's going to be summer um, very soon. Yeah, I think we've 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 talked a lot about craft beer, but mm-hmm. we've intentionally involved. So we've been very successful with our gins. Uh, they we've two years two years running now at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Uh, we've been selected by the judges as the best flavored gins in the world. Wow. And uh, so we're really proud of that. And uh, now it's a matter of getting the distribution and momentum there. But mm-hmm. we know we have uh, uh, incredible products there. And we're starting to do more in canned cocktails uh, in the, at the LCBO uh, for those in, in Ontario. Uh, we have um, a, a, it's called Lemon Squeezy. It's a vodka cocktail as well as, um, and so as we push more into canned cocktails, uh, we're excited where that can go, as well as uh, we have another one called Daily Forecast, which is a fresh fruit mimosa. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are some some of our big new products that are very summer oriented that we're excited about. That's really exciting. I'm glad there's a list of things that I can take part in. Definitely gonna try the <laughs> gin, because I can't have, unfortunately, um, any gluten products so beer is sort of you know out the out of the category for me even though I know there are some gluten-free beers out there but it's exciting to know that you know you're taking this great concept and you know expanding into other categories and winning in them which is really exciting yeah it's it's interesting um, you know the canned cocktail space there's a few big players who like who dominate that aren't local, and unfortunately, there isn't the same affinity towards supporting local or supporting supporting craft or smaller. Um, but that that will evolve, and so for us, it's just a matter of being who we are, which is creating great, great elevated products that um, uh, that that you you want to seek out. Um, in our cannabis beverage space, we've been successful in that. Every, uh, really majority went at sparkling water with a little bit of flavor and we decided to make uh, beautiful cocktails with fresh fruit or or really interesting tea-based products that just have more depth to them and uh, and people sought that out and you know we've we've definitely been significantly overspent by versus our by all our competitors but yet we're winning it's just by uh, putting our head down and trying to make something that's a little bit a little bit better and more creative Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for you know sitting down with me today, taking me through collective arts. Um, I've learned so much from you, not just from a passion standpoint, because you're definitely very passionate about this business, and it shines through. And I think one thing that um, resonates with me is sort of how you took an experience that had nothing to do with your industry, but at such a pivotal point in your life through, you know, camping with kids and camp (laughs) counseling to building a really successful business that's creative. And, you know, you've went through that process where people have said, 
you know, well, when your art project dies, I'll, <laughs> I'll have a job waiting for you. Uh, well, I'm really excited for you and I'm really happy that you're coming on to 10 years. Your art project didn't die. It's still alive and well. And now you've got artists around the world taking part in your art project. So this is this is great. And Collective Arts is definitely going to be, you know, a continued, I think, really loved brand in Hamilton. Um, I think when I first heard of Collective Arts, it was, I just associated with Hamilton directly. And I think a lot of people do, and it put Hamilton on the map in a lot of ways. And I think that's really an exciting part of your business within our community. Yeah, thanks. Uh, really appreciate your time. And, and we do love our connection with Hamilton. I was in, I was in Toronto um, pre-pandemic and I and I heard some people talking uh, and I heard them talk about uh, Hamilton I was in a coffee shop so I, it tweaked my interest and I and I listened to them and I heard someone talk about moving to Hamilton then I heard collective arts come into the conversation so I said okay I have to engage and so one had just moved the other two were thinking of moving to Hamilton and and I asked I, I heard you mention collective arts and I said well we're just really excited for it being to, for it to be close and we and we love what it's all about, and so that was you know had a lot of pride. Our our goal within the city of Hamilton is to be a um, you know top five pride point for companies you'd be proud of that are in the city, as well as to be one of the you know top reasons why someone would visit the city or be excited about you know uh, you know living here or moving here. So. Um, we don't normally share that, but that's you know in the background that we we want to do our part to support the city as best as we can. Which we're really excited, um, and we can't wait for you guys to meet Matt at our event coming up in just a few weeks, and definitely sample some products that are going to probably be available for the <laughs> summer. So. Come on out, tickets are gonna be available online and you can meet Matt and all of our other entrepreneurs that's been on our fantastic podcast, season one. So Matt, you're closing out season one for us. Amazing. So thank you so much because you're such an icon in Hamilton and we couldn't wrap up this season without someone like yourself. So well, thank thanks. you. Thanks for your time. All right, bye everyone. Thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at, at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardenia. Khalid Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R., and yours truly, Shalacia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.